Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope that this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Hey, uh, you know, if you're new here for the first time, maybe it's your first time or maybe you've just been just started to come. I want you to know that I've discovered after a lot of conversations with people that the hardest step you'll probably take at the valley is actually coming here for the first time. So I just want to thank you for being here today. Yeah, let's, let's just thank if you're here for the first time, I want you to know you've taken maybe the hardest step you're going to take uh, just being here. So thank you. Well, I'm Andy, one of the pastors here at the Valley, and uh, man, just good to be with you. And uh, we're launching into a new series called Places and Spaces. And uh, it's really about God coming into the place and space of our heart and then sending us out into other places and spaces. And what does all that mean? Well, we're going to take a look at what that means in this series. And, uh, you know, I... uh, I'm into home shows, at least my wife is, and so that means I am, right? And uh, what I'm really, <laughs> you, you know, some of you know what I mean. And, uh, but here's the deal. Uh, it's really amazing to, when you watch these shows, the part that I like is they take this, this house that's just a total wreck, like it's, it's, it's just a, a former shell of itself, if you could even call it that, and they reimagine it as this new space, that, like they totally renovate the thing. They tear out walls and they add fixtures and, and there's new paint colors and, and all of a sudden new schemes. They add a little texture, you know, a little wood here, a little stone there, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, after they, and new lights, and, and all of a sudden it's a whole new space. It's crazy how they can take this space that is pretty unimaginative in some place you really wouldn't want to be and also all of a sudden reimagine it to a whole new place and space. You know, um, that's what happened at our Troy campus. Uh, we, uh, when we moved from the rec center into the old theater in, in Troy, um, that thing was a disaster. I just want you to know, when we, when we first looked at that space, it was a former shell of itself. They had torn out the, the risers for the, for the theater seats, but it was, it was just bad. There was mold on the walls. I mean, it was all that. And uh, it, it was hard to imagine that that could be a thriving worship center, a thriving worship place for families, young families, to come to church and experience God. And, and yet, there were some people with that kind of imagination that could just see this shell, and they began to like they put plans together and begin to reimagine it. Now it is. It, it is a beautiful place. Hundreds of families coming. In fact, it's, it, and it's not just because of the space. The space is a tool. But it's amazing how it turned into this thriving worship space. And now there are so many families coming to the Valley Troy uh, campus uh, that there aren't room enough for them. And so now we're looking at leasing more space next door and reimagining that space coupled with the space we already have. We have to move forward to that campus is done growing. It's just amazing what God is doing in that place and space because we've ventured out. And uh, by the way, the, the, the Detroit campus, um, that facility is about half the space, not even quite half the space of the Piqua campus. And so uh, they're bottled at the moment. 
and uh, they're not yet ready to send out a new campus. Did you know that the vision is that as we launch new campuses like Troy and Sydney, that they would then send out people into, in, in, into new places as well? And uh, so probably the next campus we launch won't uh, be primarily out of the Pickwick campus. It'll probably be out of the Troy campus that will launch further south, maybe Tip City, Vandalia, Huber Heights, West Milton, who knows where God will lead us. But I want you to understand the vision. We aren't done just launching a campus. The idea is to make disciples that make disciples and to launch campuses that launch campuses because that's how we're going to reach the world. It won't be just we did one and great, let's, we're done, let's get comfortable. That's not who God has called us to be. And, and so we're going to have to reimagine some places and some spaces. We're reimagining the gym right now. If you go over there, you have to pardon our progress. Like that thing was built in 1997, and uh, we haven't changed the carpet since then. The paint uh, has been, yeah, it's been painted once or twice, but uh, that place just needs an overhaul. So you'll see it's all ripped up. You can look in the windows. We're reimagining that space as a, as a modern place, a multi-purpose space that that we can use for all different kind of things. And you know, that's the most used room in our church. Mops meets there, that's mothers of preschoolers. Ladies Bible study meets there. Of course, the teens meet there twice. Uh, we do weddings, we do funerals. Uh, they're just over and over and over. There are all different kind of activities. That's, a, that's the most used room in the church. And we're reimagining that space. So take a look at it, what it looks now, and then take a look in a few weeks and see the transformation. That kind of reimagining of places and spaces is really what God is calling each of us to do. You see, God wants to reimagine who we are. He already created us in his image, and he wants us to reimagine ourselves back in that image because we've strayed from that. And as, as we become like him inside, as we as we allow him to change the place and the space of our hearts and our minds and who we are, he then wants to launch us into the world so we can reimagine places and spaces all around us. When I was a kid, um, I used to dream of being a hero. Anybody else here do that? If you're a little boy, I know you did, because that's who we're made to be. Yeah, you want, I, I would reimagine standing up to the bully and giving the school books back to the kid that got beat up. I, I, would, um, I would imagine running into a, a burning building and rescuing a, a, a child. I, I could even imagine being Rambo and holding back the enemy. I mean, I, that, some of you guys can totally understand what, what I'm saying. But you know, that's not just for guys. D did you know that God has put something in us, all of us, and that is the, his image. Like we're created with his heart. And so we have, God has compassion, God has love, God wants justice, and he's put that in all of us. The problem is we've suppressed it because of our own selfishness, because of our own self-focus. I'm reminded of how in my young 20s, uh, I have regrets because I really was self-absorbed. Many of you if you'll look back at that strata of your life, you'll realize, ooh, I was pretty self-absorbed in those moments. And there were some people that needed me and I didn't take time. There were, there were some things I could have done. I had some energy that God could have used in some great ways. And yet I was there and uh, I'm never going back to that. I hope you will never go back to that self-absorbed focus. Because God has put in you his image and he wants you to take that to spaces and places 
all around the world. I love this quote by Frederick Buecher. By the way, here's the, you'll see the carpet coming up. People hard at work. My legs, I, I had to do some stretching this morning because we were like scraping that glue off the floor and my like I can't hardly move. It's, it's not good. <laughs> I'll invite you next time. Don't worry. <laughs> I love what Frederick Buechner says, one of my favorite quotes. He says, the place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. There's a deep hunger in our world. There's a brokenness. What is it about this world that's broken and you want to fix it? What is it about this world when you see it, it just wells compassion up in you? Or maybe it's something that creates an excitement in you because you see the possibilities. What is it in your life? I'll tell you, for me, the place God calls me, that that I have a deep gladness when I can affect change, is in the church. I, I love the church. It's God's institution that he has created. It's not just an institution. It's a living, breathing organism it's really that first only an institution second but he created that because that's his avenue in the world that's his vehicle to change the world like he wants the church to be the one who spreads the message of who jesus is because he's the hope of the world and i love the church and there are times the church is broken. Every one of you probably have a story about the church being broken. That person didn't greet me, or that, that pastor, he didn't say this. Or it, I mean, it's just what it is. Because you know why? Because the church is you and me. It's people. Broken. Self-absorbed at times. People. And, and so, if you're in church long enough, you're going to get hurt. Can, can I say this to you this morning? Never leave the church because you're hurt. Because it ain't about being hurt. Yes, you've been hurt, but that's not God's fault. Never pin that on God. You see, this is a learning lab for love. And we got a lot of work to do, don't we? We all do. Because none of us are perfect. And when we're on this journey, we're going to make mistakes. Sometimes we're just going to do selfish things. We're going to hurt people. And yet God has said that he's going to use the church and nothing will stop it to share the gospel message. And so what is it? That's, that's my, when I see something broken in the church, I want to fix it. I'm going to put all my energy and passion because I know that God's going to use the church to change the world. That's the space and place that God has called me and given me a real passion for. Some of you, it's for children that need adopted. They have no parents. And you just, when you see that, your heart is broken. You, like, you want to do something about that. And, and you get really glad. Like there's a, there's a burning warmness inside of you when you can make a difference in that place and in that space. What is it for you? Because that's where God has called you. You see, one of the ways we discern, hey, what's God's plan for me? What's his will for me? I'll tell you, one of the ways you'll discover that is when there's a brokenness inside of you, when there's a compassion inside of you, when there's a drive inside of you about something that's in our world that needs fixed, that needs God. And when you put your finger on that, you'll know what God is calling you to do. That's one of the ways you're going to discover what God has for you. Sometimes we're all worried about, well, what is God's plan for me? Where do I find that? Search your heart. I think God has put some things in you to change the world. Figure out where the deep hunger of the world is that really impacts you. 
I, I want to take a look today at how we can impact our world. And I think there's a great example that's given to us in Genesis chapter 6. The guy's name is Noah. Anybody ever heard of him? Yeah, it's this guy. He builds a, well, he, I, spoiler alert, he builds a boat. But it's not really a boat. He builds a box. Who builds a box? It's just kind of crazy. How are you going to change the world by building a box? Well, glad you asked. Turn with me. Genesis chapter 6. By the way, this is the beginning of God's word, right? The, well, it's the beginning of the beginning. Get it? Okay, so like, like that's when everything starts. And we're only Genesis chapter 6. This is like early on. Creation has happened. Man has been created. They're in the garden. Then they're out of the garden because they sin. They go their own way. And, uh, and now... Now mankind has grown up, and there are civilizations now. There are people, and, and we get to that. The problem, is, the problem is that they've gone their own way. It says every person other than Noah has given in to the inclination of their heart, and it's always evil. We think we live in a rough day today. Like some people, I, you know, it can't be any worse than today. Man, it was pretty bad if everybody but Noah was into wickedness. So our time isn't any different than that time. We're all, we're all the same. We're, we're the same as has been all through time. We need God. And, and Noah's there. So I want you to, we're going to learn. We're going to learn how to inhabit the spaces and places and what God wants us to do through the, through the book of Genesis. So let's take Genesis chapter 6. Verse 9, it starts this, starts out, uh, it says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. He was the only one. You ever said that? I'm the only one. Well, as a kid someday, well, that, he's the only one. He really is. This is God's word, not, he didn't make this up. And, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? Like to be able to say, how do I walk in close fellowship with God? How do I know him like a friend? How do I, how do I have a relationship with him that like, like when I talk about him, you know that I know him. How, how, do, how do we have that kind of thing going? And that's what Noah has. It says, now Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Han, and Japheth. I had to look that up. Japheth. That's how you say it. Okay. It says, so now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. Not so good so far, is it? What we're really seeing here is there's a very sharp contrast, like black and white. There's no gray here. Sometimes there, you, you can kind of sense, okay, it's not quite so clear. Here's very clear. Noah is a man who walked with God. He's righteous and blameless, and then you got everybody else, and they're corrupt meaning they're sinful. They're, they're going their own way. They're not doing what God wants them to do. You know what's fascinating about Noah is he comes from a line of people uh, that have followed God. So you can follow God in that day, and there's a guy named Enoch that's one of his forebears, and you know that Enoch is one of the two people that didn't die? Like he just got taken up into heaven? That's the forebear of Noah. Like he's got somebody building into him about who God is. There's there, it's, it's not a secret. There, it's not an accident that Noah is following and trusting in God. And if you're not building into your family, if you're not like pouring out who you are to somebody else about who God is, you're missing the boat. Heard this quote this week. There's an African proverb that says, 
when an old man dies, and we'll say when an old man and woman dies, a library is buried, a library is buried with them. You've learned so much. You've experienced life in a way that somebody much younger cannot experience because they haven't gone through those things yet. You're not, you're not maybe lost a job yet. You, they may be not experienced the death of some loved ones yet. They may have not come through some of the crises in emotionally or mentally or physically and, and all those kind of things. And they, they haven't experienced the highs and lows of relationship with God, but you have. And if you're not sharing it with, with the people in your family, it's going to die with you. It'll get buried with you. All the pain that you experience, all the difficulties that you go through, all the, all the uncomfortableness that you've come out of and the clouds you've been in to come out to the sunshine, and like that's all wasted if you don't use it to help other people in the places and spaces all around you. And Noah is the benefit of people who've poured out and shared what God had been teaching them. It says, so God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Whew, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? That kind of like, that kind of backs up this whole thing that the Old Testament God is pretty, pretty harsh, pretty mean, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. You see, the earth was filled with violence. It was filled with people who were being wicked. And guess what? God only seals what they've already decided. Remember the story of Moses and Pharaoh? Moses goes to Pharaoh and he's trying to get the Israelite people out of Egypt and he goes to him. And at first, he, hey, let my people go. He makes that plea and he gives them the option. And, and there are t these 10 plagues and Moses keeps going to them, right? And about the first three or four, I think it's four or so, that Pharaoh has a choice. He can, he can decide to do what what God is calling him to do through Moses. But have you noticed when you read those plagues, but there's a shift somewhere in there, and it says that God hardened his heart. See, there comes a time where God seals in what, you're already going to, what you've already decided and what you're already going to decide. He knows your heart. And, and that's what's happening here. So this isn't on God. God's not being arbitrary. He, he's not being mean. Or, no, that's not who he is. In fact, he's patient not wanting anyone to perish. God, God is a compassionate God. He's slow to anger. That's the God I know. No, what's happening here is that people have been unjust to each other. And when you look at the world and you see injustice, how long do you want that to go on? When you see somebody mistreating someone, when you see a child not being taken care of or abandoned, like don't you want justice for that? When you see somebody killing somebody, don't you want justice for that? That's what God is doing. He's sealing in justice. Choices they've already made. So this isn't God being arbitrary. No, this is God's being compassionate. He's being gracious. But to continue to be gracious and compassionate, he seals in the, the judgment that they brought on themselves. And so that's where it's all at. And he's going to wipe out the face of the earth. He's going to start over. He says he regrets that he made mankind. I never want to be the reason God regrets making us. 
Um, I probably have been a few times. And so I'm so thankful that he is a gracious God. And then he goes on, he says, build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long. By the way, that's a football field and a half, just in case your sports nuts want to figure out how long that is. 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. We're not talking a little box here. We're talking a big box. Then it says, leave an 18-inch opening. That's a cubit was the measure and a window. That was for airflow and all that around underneath the overhang of the roof. So leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Uh, put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, a lower, a middle, and an upper. And then he says this. He says, look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you and will be kept alive. By the way, did you know that the so some commentators have taken a look and they, they've, they've kind of done this evaluation based on that, those kind of dimensions. You could put 500 railroad cars inside of that, those containers. And, and so that says, think about it, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of space for a lot of animals and not all of them are big like elephants. There's some really tiny ones. And so there were a lot of animals on the ark. And then he says this, fascinating to me, which is God's after, you know, he, he knows me well. Be sure to take on enough food <laughs> for your family and for the animals. Like God thought of everything. He thought of every detail. Um, this is, I, 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 I can't imagine it was like a cruise where it's all you can eat and that kind of thing. But it, it was uh, like they did have enough. The question is, why did God pick this story to share about the flood? Why pick him? I think it's, I think it's because of this. Noah is who God wants you and I to look like as we live in this world. Simple as that. Noah is who we're to look like as we live in this world. And this world looks a lot like the world did in his day. There's a, there are a lot of things that don't line up with God's word. There are, there are a lot of beauty in this world. There are a lot of great things about this world. God's creation, he made it and he said it's good. But there's also you and I who have destroyed a lot of what God wanted to do. We've corrupted it. We've messed it up. And Noah is the example that God uses to say, hey, you guys, this is who I want you to look like when you go out into the world. And I got another question for us today. Noah built an ark. What if God wants us to build an ark? What if God wants us to build an ark? I want you to hang on to that thought as we, as we go, through, uh, go through the message today. What if God's calling you and I to build an ark? Okay, I want to dig into what does it take to, to build an ark and to look like Noah? Well, there, there are some things that just really stuck out as we, as we look at this account of Noah's life that God gave uh, for the people then, but he gave for the people right now, for you and me. That, that's what he's saying. And uh, Noah walked with God. 
Noah walked with God. He had a relationship with the Father. And uh, it says Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. This is the first time the word righteous is used in all the Bible. Now, it's only chapter 6 of Genesis, which is the beginning, so I get it. But he, you know what righteous means? It means being in a right relationship with God. It means being right with God. And, and Noah, Noah doesn't do that because he's performed well, because he's done something right. No, the, the reason he's right with God is because he's trusting in him. In fact, it says later, Abraham uh, before, before Jesus came and died on the cross, Abraham, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. You see, we come to a right relationship with God simply by believing that he is the way and the truth and the life, that he is the one who can save us. He is the God of all the universe. He is the one true God. And believing that and then living that way is what makes us right with God. Not anything we've done, not how we perform, but that decision. And Noah made that decision. He trusted in God. But you know what? It says he was blameless. Blameless is our conduct. It says he was a man of integrity. Not only did he say he trusted in God, and he made that decision to trust in God, the Father, but he actually lived it out then. Like he, he ordered his life based on that decision that he made. Now, blameless doesn't mean sinless. I, I need us to understand that. Blameless doesn't mean, oh, he did everything perfect. No, Noah messed up. And in fact, at the end of the book, it's kind of weird, but Noah does, it, like Noah messes up for all of us on display. Like it gets recorded in the gospel. I'm just, really, or not the gospel, but the Old Testament. I'm really glad that God didn't record, I mean, I know he's recorded it in heaven, but like for paper, for everybody to see, that would be bad, wouldn't it? Yeah, Noah's mess up gets put right in print. But he's blameless. And what that means is he's up to date in his relationship with God. Like, like he knows he's not perfect, but he goes to God and he asks forgiveness. He you know, like clears the slate and he allows God to forgive him and make him new. And, uh, and so Noah's righteous and he's blameless. And because of that, you see, when you're in a right relationship with God, when you, you're in the right standing with God, and when you when you're living for him the best you can, and even if you've messed up, you've come to God and asked him to forgive you, and you get back on track, you get back on the rails, then you're walking with God. I, I, uh, I, I'm reading, actually, I'm listening to a podcast by Richard Blackaby. It's not, it's not by him, but he's being interviewed uh, by Kerry Newhoff, and they're talking about his dad, Henry Blackaby, who was this pastor who wrote one of the best-selling books of all time, Experiencing God and How to Find His Will. And uh, as, he, as they're talking, he said, yeah, my dad was the, was, was the greatest man of God I know. In fact, all of us kids, five kids would say that. But, but they, he said, you know, none of us think that he did parenting perfect. In fact, all of us would say, even though he was the greatest man of God we personally knew ever, that we would do a major upgrade to his parenting. That ought to, today, give you hope. <laughs> And it ought to give you pause to recognize that you're not going to be perfect. And some of you have been trying to hold yourself to such a high standard, you can't hold it. You can't do it on your own. And that's why God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. When you say, yes, I do trust in you, I want to be in a right relationship with you, God has given you the promised Holy Spirit to give you the ability to follow Him. And if in your humanness, in your weakness, you don't have all the toolkit you need. 
Follow God with all your heart because God will make up the difference. That's just how he works. And sometimes I think we put such a pressure on ourselves that we can, never, we can never match it. We can never meet it. God will give you the ability to follow him with all your heart. But if you don't get it all perfect, be blameless. Come to God, admit it, and begin to move for him. The thing that, about Noah that really struck me was he wasn't a guy that gave in to peer pressure. We hear about that a lot. If you're in school, you probably have experienced some peer pressure, but let's face it, adults do too. When our friends are doing something, when our neighbors are doing something, we, like, we feel the pressure of that. We feel like we got to fit in. M- Noah like, certainly didn't fit in. And I want you to know this today. You weren't made to fit in. You were made to stand out. You know, if your whole goal is to fit in, to, to, be, to not stand out, to be part of what's all going around you, I want you to know you're missing it. Because God has called you to stand out. Now here's what I mean by that. Noah didn't stand up and have a big protest. Noah didn't stand up and say, hey, look at me. And, uh, or, or Noah didn't say, oh, I'm going to try to be like them. I'm going to be a shamalon. No, he, he didn't try to make a big deal out of it. He just went about the business that God gave him. He had courage. His relationship with God was more important than what everybody else thought. And I remember there was a time in my life when I first came to know Jesus, and, and I was trying to figure out, how do, I, how do I follow Jesus and still keep all my friends? How, how do I follow Jesus and not be a Jesus freak? Like, like these people are going to think I'm weird. How do these people think I'm, I'm not jumped off the cliff? You know, that kind of deal, spiritually or emotionally or whatever it is. And I remember because of that, I kept my faith in the closet. Anybody else keep your faith in the closet because you didn't want to stand out. And I remember God bringing me to this point where, where it was like, Andy, do they love you as much as I do? And it was very distinct like that. And I remember in that moment deciding that, that God would love me always and he would love me perfectly And that all these other people, while they might be nice, there were moments, but they ultimately were never going to come even close to loving me like God did. And so I began to decide that I wasn't going to try to fit in anymore. I'm just, I I didn't want to stand out. I just was going to follow God. And in my life, I began to stand out to people around me and they would make comments not because I was trying but because when you follow God with all your heart you will stand out as unique as different see God has given you a gift did you know that when you come to know Jesus he's put in this clay earthen vessel which I'm reminded is starting to fall apart at times he's put in the gift of the Holy Spirit And so wherever you go, you're taking the Holy Spirit with you. You're taking God with you. He's God. And so when you go to the school, you're taking God in the schools. When you go to work, you're taking God to your workplace. When you're in your neighborhood walking down the street, God is walking with you. And when God's walking with you, you will stand out. You weren't made to fit in. 
quit trying to fit in. Sometimes I think the, all the uniqueness, some, sometimes there's this trend about all being unique and, and be different. But I think it's another way to fit in in some sense. See, standing out, following God, means that you put him at the highest priority. And when you do that, when you say, you know what, I'm going to obey God no matter what, you're going to stand out by virtue of what God is going to call you to do. And that can sound very scary. It scared me. I thought I won't have any friends. Um, Yeah, I might not have any money. Um, Like all these bad things, it has been the greatest joy ride of my life. And sometimes when I look at the world and I see people trying to fit in, they're missing the greatest joys that God wants for their life. Don't listen to the world about what you're going to lose. It's really about what you're going to gain. Stand out. Noah obeys God's exact commands. I, I, or I'm sorry, I'm, I'm one ahead. Noah trusts God's promises, which is pretty amazing to me. If you look at verse 18, it says, but I will confirm my covenant with you. How is, how is Noah able to take that step? Because you're, maybe you're saying here today, I don't know if I could take that step. I don't know if I could stand out. That's a big leap for me. Well, the reason Noah can do that is because he trusts the covenant that God's made. You know what a covenant is? It's a promise. It's got obligations. It's got benefits. And there's a covenant. It's a promise between two people. And God, the God of the universe, makes a covenant with Noah. He says, I'm going to make a covenant with you and your family. And God has made a covenant with you. And the covenant was when Jesus died on the cross. He says, if you trust in me and you trust in what I've done on the cross, I'll redeem you. I'll restore you. I'll remake you. I'll forgive you, and you'll be clean as white as snow. That, that's the promise, and I will help you, and I'll be with you, and I'll give you the promise to Holy Spirit. That's all part of the covenant that we enjoy today, and we, and we access it by being in a right relationship with him and by living a blameless life, by like just trying to, to walk with God close. And, and so Noah trusts in that, and it empowers him Because without that promise, how do you build an ark? Without that promise, how can you go through with something so big like that? I don't think you can. But it gave him the peace and the confidence to stay focused on God's plan because he knew God was good for his promise. Because just think about it. The God of the universe has said, I'm making a promise with you, and if I don't keep it, I'm not God anymore. Like my honor is in question if I don't keep the promise. That's, That's what's happening here. And sometimes... You and I maybe not focus enough on the covenant that God's made with us. And the God of the universe, not only can he keep it, and he proved he can keep it by raising Jesus from the dead, but, but he put his honor on the line. And so when you say, I'm not sure God will even notice this or keep this promise or remember this promise, his honor is on the line. God, his, his character, his attributes are on the line. He ain't going to forget you. He's not going to quit on you. And Noah knows that. And so, do you know it took 50 to 80 years, commentators say, to build the ark? That's a long time, like the peer pressure. Can you imagine the peer pressure Noah faced? Uh, I can't imagine the jokes people made. Can you? I just can't imagine the jokes people made. Yeah, you know, that's going to make a great casket for you after you die building this big thing. You know, stuff like that. Can you just imagine? And that's, that's what he's enduring. Today, do you believe God is able to keep his promises? That he will keep the covenant that he's made with you? That when you obey him, everything you need is yours? 
you won't, you won't stand out. You'll try to fit in if you don't. And Noah stands out. Noah trusts God. By the way, he's the only one that gets saved, him and his family, because he obeys. And Noah, that's the last thing I want you to see. Noah obeys God's exact commands. Now, I want to say this, and as we dig into this, do you know that God doesn't command everything? Like, he talks about marriage, for example. He tells you who you should marry in a sense of, this is my plan for marriage. But he doesn't tell you the name. You get to choose that person. If they, if they fit in this boundary, then marry pick wisely, he says, make it someone that follows me. They need to be a follower of me. Don't be unequally yoked. In Genesis and all the way through, we read that it's between a man and a woman for life. And so we read these things. He gives some boundaries, but then he says, you've got some freedom. So I want us to understand there's a lot of freedom within boundaries, but there's some times that God gives us some exact commands. And it's really clear through Scripture exactly what we're supposed to do. And in verse 22, it says, So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. I think that's so critical. And he gave some perfect, pretty specific uh, dimensions for the ark, for example. He said, I want you to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. That's one big box. When I was a kid, I, I went garage selling with my mom. And there was this guy who had all these old model cars he wanted to give up. And uh, so he sold them to me. And I, it was like, I think he gave them all to me, like 20 or 30 of them for a dollar. And I thought, what a windfall. I had just hit the deal of a lifetime. Poor mom. I didn't realize I was his trash dumpster. That's really what that was all about. But I, I got all these all these models, and I took them home, and I was working on them. We put them all over in the basement around a little, little, you know, and uh, just had fun. They were about a 32nd of what they, uh, of the real size. And, and can you imagine that, that Noah could have, he could have rationalized 450 feet. If I did that about 45 feet, I'd still be building it. I, I'll just build a model. I'll build a replica. I'll, build, I, I'll just downsize that thing, and then no, th this thing won't get out before it's time. You know what I mean? Like, like I'll just, I can still build this in the backyard that way. And he could have rationalized a lot of different ways, but he doesn't do that, does he? He obeys God's exact commands. And sometimes, um, if we want to follow God and we want to be game changers in this world, like, like if we want to make a real impact in people's lives, like we can't cut this stuff. We can't do our own thing. We can't go off script. God's given us some exact commands for, for how to live. For instance, in marriage. For instance, in how we give. He says, I want you to give the first 10%. I want you to trust me with the first fruits of your life. And it seems like, oh, you're just talking about money again. No, I'm not. I'm talking about your heart. See, it's about your heart. And there's some exact commands. What, what, I just give 2%. That, that's still, no. This isn't about money. It's about your heart. And, and, and he does some exact things. And when we obey those things, God uses us in other people's lives. It's just how it works. Are, are you obeying God's exact commands in your life, or have you modeled it down? Have you watered it down? Have you, ha, 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 have you downsized what God wants to do in the world around you? 
See, I think God has an ark for us to build. I, I really do. When we obey God, when we live like Noah, God, God's going to have us build an ark. Because do you realize the ark that Noah builds not only saves humanity and the animal kingdom, but it saves his family. When God has you build an ark, it may be the very thing that saves your family. When God has you build an ark, it's the very thing that's going to save humanity. Now you say, what do you mean by building an ark? How, how, do, we, how do we do that? There were a gr- group of folks that went from some of the campuses. They went, actually, I think it was the, mostly the Troy campus. They did an alpha in the jail, right between Pickwin and Troy on 25A, and they started to do this alpha. That alpha is a big questions of life. It's, it's, it's a discussion way, as you look at the big questions, to lead people to Jesus in a relationship with him, and they started doing alpha in the jails. There was a young lady there named, uh, I don't, again, not her name, but she was 24. Young lady, she said, you know, I don't have any family or friends that it's safe to be with. Like, they're not clean, and if I'm with them, it's going to go bad. So I got nobody to turn to, and they're sharing in these groups, and, and so as they begin to work through, they begin to tell her about who Jesus is as part of this alpha group, and she's got nowhere else to turn, and she said, she said, because I have nowhere else to turn, I decided to turn to Jesus. And so in that jail, through the Alpha group, an ark, she, she accepted Jesus. And she said when she gets out, she asked if she could be baptized at the valley. <laughs> That's inhabiting the spaces and the places that God has put us in. See, You have everything you need to change the world because it's not you. See, in this clay earthen vessel, when you say yes to Jesus and you're living a righteous and blameless life, not perfect, but following God with all your heart, you get the gift of the Holy Spirit. Like God is in you and wherever you go, God goes. See, the ark was a piece of wood then. It's you now. The ark was a piece of wood then. But it's you and you and you now. And wherever you go, God goes. But here's what it takes. It takes first giving God a blank check. If you're going to make an impact in the world, you've got to give him a blank check. And I remember one of the first decisions I had to make as a follower of Jesus was I going to give God a blank check on my life. Was I going to sign it over to him and let him fill in what it was for? I've had several people just in the last week ask me, why am I stuck in my life? Why haven't I discovered my purpose? It all comes back to this, because they're hanging on to control. Until you give God a blank check, you won't release the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to the world. And you won't go to the places and the spaces that need an impact. And then go build an ark. It's time for you to allow God to build the ark in you and then to go into the places and spaces of this world. See, that's what God has called us to. And Noah is an example for all of us about how to build an ark. Noah is an example for us about how to live in a world that's messed up and broken and in need. You weren't made to fit in. You were made to stand out. I, I want you to grab this card off your chair. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take three or four minutes as we close the service. This is, this is what I want you to do because it... This message means nothing if you walk out of here <laughs> and you don't do anything. So grab this impact card. Would you do that for me? 
and grab the pen somewhere beside you. And just, just between you and God, and I want you to fill this out. I want you to list five people that you'd love to invite to the valley, not somebody going to another church, somebody who's not going to church, somebody who needs an ark, like they're broken, they may be even obstinate, they may not be very friendly to you, but who are the five people that you want to invite to the valley? Not, not so we can fill this place up, that's not it. But the church is a living, breathing organism that has the message of Jesus Christ, that's why. And they're broken people like that young lady in Alpha. And, and maybe you're going to take the church to them. So I want you to list three places and spaces where you do life around people disconnected from Jesus. Maybe it's the coffee shop you go to. Maybe it's the workplace you're in. Maybe it's at school. Maybe it's in your neighborhood. I don't know. What are the places and the spaces where you do life? Maybe it's at the gym where there are people disconnected from Jesus. Just list those because it, it helps. When you begin to list them, you begin to focus in on them. Otherwise, they just sort of fade away because let's be honest, unless we're very intentional about being the image bearer of Christ, we won't do it. And then I want you to list one place and space that you're going to start going to where people are disconnected from Jesus. Where's a new place you can go? Where's something you can like be focused in on because like that Alpha story I just told you about, like that wasn't people's normal place to go. In fact, some of you are scared to go to the jail. <laughs> Well, maybe you had a bad experience. I don't know. <laughs> but if they hadn't gone there, this young lady doesn't receive Jesus, and she isn't saved. She doesn't come to know her Savior. Her life doesn't change. She doesn't have a safe place. She doesn't have a father from the fa to the fatherless. But somebody goes to a place where they normally wouldn't go, they name that place and space, and God uses them. And how do they discover what that place is? It's the thing that's breaking their heart. It's where they know there's a deep hunger in the world. So I want you to take three minutes, this song. Go ahead and play it, Tim. And I want you just to fill it out, and we're going to close. Father, I pray over each of these cards, and I pray over each of these people in this room. Each one, you've, you've made a clay earthen vessel filled with your spirit to go into this world and to be an ark, to, 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 to make the difference in people's lives. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us stop trying to fit in and just stand out for you. Not trying to stand out, but just being obedient exactly to the details you've given us, to go to the places you've called us, to answer the call of the brokenness in our heart when we see the things in this world and when we see the things that, that just give us compassion. Lord, would you use us in those ways and would, would each of us answer that call to live out our purpose among, uh, among us? And Lord, you've, uh, you've called us to places and spaces all over these cities, all over our towns, all over our neighborhoods, in the schools. Lord, you've called us to the places and spaces where people are at to be an ark, to be a blessing, to help people come to know you. Jesus, would you, would you empower us and strengthen us and would you help us become the kind of people that when people see us, they don't see us, but they see you in us wherever we're at. Lord, we ask that. And we ask that in your great name, Jesus. Amen.
Go take your card, pray over it, live out your purpose in this world. And on the way out, would you just grab one of these beautiful orange signs and let's tell the world that, uh, where they can find Jesus. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app today to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you or changed your life, share it with a friend. Because changed lives change lives.